Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. So here's what I did. I took what James said and I made my own Proverbs. So I want to read what I came up with and then I want to read the passage. When times get tough, we don't give up, we stand up. Everyone look at that for a minute. When times get tough, we don't give up, we stand up. Here's what James says in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Endurance. What is endurance? Enduring an unpleasant or difficult situation without giving in. That's what endurance is. When we think about endurance, we think about running a race. We think about playing a game. We think about the marathon runner that trains and trains and trains and trains. And all of a sudden, when they hit mile 20, they hit that runner's wall. And they have to learn to break through. As an athlete, as a basketball player, as a football player, fourth quarter is what mattered most. So when I played college ball, all of a sudden, fourth quarter came, and everyone put their four fingers up and started saying, four, why? Because out of all the quarters, this is the quarter that matters most. It's like the two-minute drill in football. It's like the last two minutes in basketball. Last night, the Nets were playing, and yes, the Nets won. Believe it or not, they're going, they're going on. They were, they were up by five, but there was two minutes left. And you know in basketball, anything can happen in two minutes. They lost? Come on. I quit. Just joking. I thought they won. Overtime. Oh, okay, never mind. So they gave up. They lost my whole point. But there's this whole idea of endurance. And so that's a great point into the, into the leeway. Our kids really depend on us when times get the toughest. They look at us. They look at us when we are having marital problems. They look at us when we are having financial difficulties. They look at us when, when things are overly stressed out. They look at us how we handle COVID, right? They were watching every move. They were watching us as we shifted into working from home and everybody was home and how we as fathers, as parents, how we were spending our time. They watch when the times get tough, do we give up? Or do we stand up? And I have to be very, very honest with you. I believe that it's in the times that are most difficult in our lives, that is when God wants to do the most in our lives. When we are struggling, when we are battling, when we are going through hard times, that's when our spiritual endurance is not only being tested, but it's being strengthened. It's why James says this. He says that it will be fully developed in us, and we need nothing. Why do we need nothing? Because in our endurance, we're leaning on Jesus for strength and strength in him alone. So men, it's not how you do when everything's going well. 
It's not how you do when you are being successful. It's when times are the toughest that your kids are asking you to not give up, but to stand up. And if you're not a parent, you have young men and young women in all of your environments watching what you are going to do. Are you going to give up or are you going to stand up? Are you going to cheat or are you going to do what's right? Are you going to take a shortcut or are you going to take the road that's less, less traveled? So this is what I believe when we follow Jesus. When times get tough, don't give up. Stand up. Proverbs says this, seven times a man falls, but seven times a man picks himself up. Do you know what makes a man a man? When we stand up. But let me give you another one. Don't look away. They are watching you. Don't look away. They are watching you. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Notice how I'm going to walk through James 1, 2, 3, and 4. James is talking about this. Do not show favoritism. Do not show discrimination. When we think about James, we have to remember his nickname. His nickname was James the Just. James was about justice. And when he saw that people who were being oppressed were being taken advantage of, or those who had less and those with more were being favored, he said, there's a problem in the church. We are not behaving like this. Because this is what Jesus did. He did not show favoritism. He did not discriminate. He was all about the underdog and those who needed to be able to be poured into to be given the best opportunity in life. I have two quick stories for you. I'll never forget when we were playing in a basketball league. Believe it or not, it was a Christian basketball league. And in this basketball league, the person who ran the league, he wanted his son to win the championship. And so, so he stacked the teams. If you don't know what it means to stack the teams, it means you get all the best players on one team and then all the bad players on another team and everyone else kind of fends for themselves. But we were one of those teams that we were fending for themselves. And all the parents started just going crazy. And I saw it. And I watched it. And I went rob on them. I told him and the ref to get into the locker room. They're like, what? I got them in the locker room. I said, do you see the model that you are doing to every single family here? I said, you are shaming kids. You are hurting kids. You are taking everything that we were supposed to be about and you flipped it upside down. And you know why I did it? Because I had all these little eyes watching. I had Brandon. I had the little LeBar boy. I had Scott Hosier and his family watching from the audience. And I saw all these parents just looking away and saying, well, that's who that guy is. How do I treat people when I walk throughout in the city, New York City. I know when we would go to the hospitals with Brandon and with my kids all the time, because yes, our kids have medical difficulties. I've shared that with you. I remember multiple times as we were walking through New York City and I was angry at God and in the situation, and my little boy was just watch watching all these people that were homeless. And I said, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna give up or stand up? And my little boy's watching. 
And so I started training Brandon. When you see people in need, you start taking care of them on the streets of New York. Funny thing is, last year, Brandon started doing that on his own. But then last March, when all this stuff started happening with all the racial tension in our country, we started having conversations around the table. We actually started having conversations in, March, in February, even before March. I said, what am I going to do about this? How am I going to talk about this as a pastor? And I don't know if you remember, last March I came out with a declaration saying that, that this is not a Jesus thing. We do not show discrimination to anybody. Not even knowing if my kids were watching or what they were thinking. But on Father's Day, my one kid put a post up there saying, I'm glad that I have a daddy that stands up for those who oftentimes don't have a voice. It's so easy, men, to look away. But they're watching. They're watching. Omar and I were driving back from the funeral yesterday. And my biggest prayer when we planted the plant was that we would be a church that was fully diverse. A church that was made up of everybody. Every nationality. It's why Omar planted with me. It's why Jeremy's on staff. We need to be setting a trend that we are for all people and all people are for God. Amen? And your kids are watching you. They're watching you at games. They're watching you as you watch television. They're watching you as you talk to your spouse around the dinner table. They're watching you how you handle the things that are happening in culture. What are you going to do about it? Let me give you another one. Direction is only helpful when it points them in the right direction. Direction is only helpful when it points them in the right direction. This is what James says in James chapter 3. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. It says in Proverbs, it says that there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to what? Destruction. Destruction. There's a way that seems right to us, to humanity, to society, but in the end, it leads to destruction. And in James chapter 3, and if you didn't listen to the message, you can go back and listen to it two weeks ago, because I'm not going to reiterate the whole thing. James talks about two different forms of wisdom. Earthly wisdom that is wrapped up in our desires and our wants, but then a heavenly wisdom. And I love how he talks about heavenly wisdom because it's, he says, first of all, it's pure. It's pure. And then it's right. Right now, more than ever, our kids need right direction. Right now, our children are dealing with more things than we have ever ever dealt with in all of society, amen? Correct? Our kids are being taught more through the world, especially through COVID, because we all went digital, and in the midst of being cooped in a house with all of our kids, what's the easiest thing for us to do? Hey, go take a break. Meanwhile, they've been learning on this all day long. And so other people are speaking to our children. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end leads to destruction. But yet we have a scripture, a, a Bible, a book, basic instructions before leaving earth, a Bible 
that points us in the right direction that God has called us to live under. Our kids are wrestling with things that we have never, ever wrestled with. And there's a word for it. They're called social contagions. Social contagions. Sexuality. Gender confusion. Spirituality. Individualism. Consumerism. Materialism. And we are so terrified in this culture to speak truth to our children because we don't want our kids to be shunned. If you do not speak truth to your children and train them up in the way that they shall go, you're going to miss your opportunity. And even though you may not think we live in an atheistic society, our children, our children, our 15 years and younger children will be the first atheistic society in the Western world. In the Western world. And I love what Omar had said to me yesterday. He said, the only reason Christianity is growing in America is because of so many other people that are coming into the United States from other Christian nations. And yet we want to keep everybody out. And yet, they may be the hope of Christianity in the U.S., Oh, no, he didn't say that. Oh, yes, I did. Thank you. Oh, yes, I did. Do you, know, do you know South America right now is booming because of the Christian movement? Do you know that there's countries right now that are booming because of what Jesus is doing, the supernatural? We're so caught up in keeping people out, and yet maybe the best thing we need to do is invite people in. Why? Because we are spiritually dying because we are terrified of our culture. Shame on us. Shame on us. But I love last Father's Day. Can I give you a little fun story? Political world's going on. Crisis. I'm a parent. Kids are on opposite sides of the spectrum when it comes to politics, right? Every home like, like that, right? Is that fair to say, right? Our kids are battling. They're questioning us. They're challenging us. And all of a sudden, we're going down to my brother's house, driving down. And two of my boys were in the back seat fighting like cats and dogs. I don't know which one was the dog or the cat, but they were just killing each other. And I said, time out. I said, you know you act like the media? He said, huh? I said, you think the louder your voice is, the more you will win. I said, time out. Speak to each other. Share what you believe and why. And I created a space, and that, this was a moment to be able to help them understand and communicate what does scripture say about certain topics. When you drive in your car, when you walk down the street, when you go on vacation, when you're sitting in front of a TV, when you're eating meals, our kids are looking for direction. And if you don't speak up, you're going to miss the gospel opportunity. Dads, there's nothing better than being a dad and having healthy relationships with your children. Your kids aren't just asking you to do whatever they want to do. They want to see what you believe in, what you value, what you hold near to your heart. They want to know what you really believe about Jesus. But here's another one. Investments come at a cost. Choose your investments wisely. Investments come at a cost. Choose your investments wisely. How many of you are investing for your future? 
How many of you are planning for a rainy day? You've set things aside. You've made it a priority. But have you made the people closest to you a priority? This is what James says in James chapter 4. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. You cannot plan your life around your selfish ambition, men and women. The more you seek to fill your own selfish ambition, the more you miss out on gospel opportunities. Your kids want to see what you value most. Because what you value most is how you spend your time, it's what you think about, it's what you talk about, and it's what you financially invest in. You care about the kingdom? Do you talk about the kingdom? Do you share the kingdom at work? Do you invite neighbors over just to be around God's presence in your life? Do you invest in kingdom work here at the church and globally? Do your kids know that? Do they know that? Because what you invest in, there will be a return. Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you coming home, dad, I don't know when. But guess what? We'll get together then. That whole song is four movements of how a father for the whole child's life missed out on opportunity. And then the dad says, hey, let's hang out. And the guy's like, dude, I don't want to. How true it is. How true it is. And men, it's not just about your family. It's about your church family. It's about your community. Are you coaching? Are you showing up and helping out at the, the dance recitals and the dramas? I love how Brandon's girlfriend, Brandon has a new girlfriend, and we love her to death. Her father had two daughters, and so he wasn't playing sports with them. But you know what he did? He did stage crew at the dance recital. And the dads had to do a dance, and he thought it'd be really funny to do this dance. And here he is, he's a doctor, and he thought it'd be really funny that at the end of the dance, he would jump off the stage and, like, touch his toes or something. He fell down and, broke both, uh, and tore both his ACLs. And his kids were like, Dad, you just ruined it. And he thought it was being funny, but at least he showed up, right? At least he showed up. Is that a great story? That'd be like the worst ever. But at least he showed up. We have to show up. And it's not just about our kids, it's about other people's kids. It's about showing up, being a father to the fatherless. It's about being present. It's about being able to show up at your, at your kid's friend's work and saying, hey, we was just thinking about you today. Choose your investments wisely. And every investment comes at a cost. Yeah, your kids are going to wander. Your kids are going to be rebellious. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. But you know what? Your investment will pay off. Here's what I want to conclude. It's my favorite conclusion of all time. They are not listening. They're not listening. No matter what you say, they don't give a rip. Do I get an amen for that? Do I get an amen? Please, come on. You guys are all way too tired. Do I get an amen? Right? They're not listening. Right? Peanuts teacher, right? They're not listening. You could talk about Jesus to your blue in the face. They're not listening. You could talk about politics to their blue in the face. They're not listening. But they're watching. But they're watching. But they're watching. They're watching. They want to see you 
and you think they want to see you fail, they want to see you kill it. They want to see you rock it. They want to say, that's my dad. And maybe you're a spiritual father to someone, they want to say, and that's the man I want to follow. James says this. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Good for you. You talk about it till you're blue in the face. Good, to, good for you that you force your kids to go to church. You say you have faith for you believe that there's one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe that. You know that? Even Satan believes that there's one God. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Isn't it funny that the demons tremble at Jesus and we don't even tremble at Jesus? How scary is that? I've been there. I've been there. We're like, I don't need him. I don't need this. I didn't even tremble until I really needed him. And then I realized, oh my goodness, he is the God of creation. But this is what James says. They're watching every move you make. They're watching every move you make. They're watching every move you make. And when your kids turn 30 and 40 and 50 and 60, they are little mini yous. So much of who you are and what you valued will be manifested in their lives. Faith without actions is dead. Actions speak louder than words. Kids don't always believe what you say, they believe what you do. They do not always believe what you say, but they believe what you do. And my favorite quote since I've been a follower of Jesus, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I had to do the funeral of Kenny Kunish, and uh, it was rough yesterday. But I had an opportunity to go minister to hundreds of people, half of them that I grew up with. The one thing that I learned from Kenny was make every day count. Make every day count. It says in Psalm 90, Lord, teach us to number our days. Every day counts. Make every day matter. Every day. If it's raining, if it's snowing, if it's another mundane place of living in Bergen County, make every day count. Actions reflect our faith. But our faith, when we step out in action, reveals how much dependency we live upon God. We just don't do things so our kids will make us will believe Jesus. We we do them because it's part of our faith journey as well. Jesus, you said you'll calm the storm. I'm in a storm. I'm going to wake you up, and I'm going to trust you. Jesus, in a moment of brokenness, I'm going to trust that just as you had healed this person, you're going to heal me. Jesus, just as I was in a place of of being emotionally unhealthy, as you stepped into other people's lives who are un, unhealthy. Emotionally, you're going to step in and you're going to make me healthy emotionally. Faith and action increases our dependency upon God. 
Faith is a two-sided coin. It's stepping out and trusting, and it's a revelation of what you believe. Dads, people of God, men of this church, every time you act out in faith, you are making room for God to be at work in your children's life. You're making room for God to work in the young people around you. We need to be a church that we are the father to the fatherless. Where the hearts of the children are being turned to Jesus because of the hearts of the father. It's time. It's time. I look around in the room and I'm so proud of so many of you. Really all of you. You're here for a reason. I'm proud of all of you. All of you. Some people are just saying I'm on a journey. I'm trying to figure this out. Some people are saying I'm, I'm figuring this out as I go along. Your faith will be manifested in those who are closest to you. Amen? I want to invite Chris and the band to come up. And I'm going to throw Chris a curveball. That last song, if we could do that last song once again, would be really good. That, the one that we just sang, that third song, it's a brand new song. I don't know if we've done it before. But I think we need a space of worship. I think we need a space of worship. I think we really need a space, that, a holy moment, a sacred moment, where men, you can say, today I'm rededicating. Even if I've been following Jesus a thousand percent, today I'm going to rededicate my life to following you to be the revelation of Jesus to others. Here's my prophetic declaration over the plants. That the hearts of the fathers would be turned to their children. And the children's hearts would be turned to the Father because of the work that Jesus is doing in our church. And my prayer is that this would be fulfilled in our community. Amen? Amen. If you need to raise your hands, need to get on your knees. Let this be a good day because it's about to get better with some ice cream. Amen. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org. Thank you.